You're listening to the Common Cozy Podcast. This is your weekly dose of stress relief, self-care, and never-ending coziness. I'm Beth Wyatt, your insomnia and stress management coach. I'm also an artist, avid crocheter, expert napper, and still full from all-you-can-eat sushi three days ago. This is episode 38. The day this episode goes live is Christmas Eve. I wish you all a very Merry Christmas. I hope your holidays are full of food you love, family you actually like, and daily opportunities to nap. I've decided to do one last breast reduction surgery related episode because I don't want to drive you all crazy with this, but a lot of people have shown an interest in my surgery, so I'm going to share my story here in this special Christmas Eve boob episode. As a friendly warning, this episode contains a few choice swear words and is not appropriate for younger listeners, so do not gather the kids around for this Christmas tale. I do say boobs and other versions of the word a lot. It might not be the best episode to listen to with your eight-year-old niece in the car or with your 80-year-old grandfather. The story I'm going to tell you is from posts that I've written for my blog, 32G, and the posts start at least a month before my surgery. I'm going to read them the way that they were written, which is in real time as I'm experiencing it, is really honest and pretty awkward. So here goes. Chapter 1. Why I'm blogging about my breast reduction. The moment I decided to pursue my breast reduction, the thought crossed my mind to blog about my experience. Then, just as quickly, the thought left. Nope, way too personal. I let it go for a few weeks, and then a friend made the suggestion. You should blog about your experience. A lot of women would be interested in reading it. I shut her down. I'm an open book in every other area of my life. I really have no secrets. The people closest to me know everything about me because I share every part of who I am with them. It's just not like me to keep something to myself. But honestly, I felt weird about sharing my reduction with them. I knew my reasons and I didn't want to have to defend them against anyone else's opinion. I was okay keeping my secret within a small circle of people, but at the same time, it made me feel isolated in what was a very big deal for me. I wanted to talk about it. I wanted to connect with other women who were going through the same journey or who had gone through it in the past. I finally, very reluctantly, decided to share it. Not just with my friends, but with anyone on the internet who wanted to read it. If I were having back surgery next week, I would have no doubts about sharing my story. It's the fact that I'm voluntarily choosing to have my breast size reduced that kind of makes it weird to talk about. There are men who think I'm crazy for wanting to be smaller, and women who joke that they'll take the extra that I don't want. It doesn't bother me, I just don't care to hear what they think. Only women who've lived with oversized, heavy breasts and their plastic surgeons know the pain and discomfort they cause. I think I can speak for other women when I say this. The reason we don't talk about wanting a breast reduction is because we're supposed to want huge breasts. 
breasts are supposed to be, according to every source of media and pretty much every person everywhere, the epitome of womanhood, femininity, and sexiness. We're told if you've got them, flaunt them. In a society that's enlarging what they were born with to feel prettier and sexier, it sounds kind of stupid to think there are women who want to reduce what they were born with to feel better about their bodies. I've never considered the size of my breasts to be directly correlated with feeling feminine or sexy, but maybe that's easy for me to say because I've always had them. I've been busty since high school. I learned early on not to complain about them to anyone, because at least I had them. Too much of something other people want is a good problem to have, right? <sighs> Sorry, I call bullshit on this one. The only reason to keep them is because other women wish they had them, and men I don't know or want to be with like to look at them. Yeah? I'm sorry, but that's not a good enough reason for me. I don't make decisions about my life based on how other people would live it, and I'm not going to live with the continued daily pain and discomfort because other people think I should. That's just not how I do things. So when I find a supportive friend who's genuinely happy for me, and when my family members offer to take care of me during recovery, I grab hold of the love and support from those people and I let go of everything else. I'm blogging about my breast reduction because too many other women are afraid to talk about theirs. This is a big deal. It has the potential to be life-changing and I'm too excited to keep it a secret any longer. And in the words of Forrest Gump, that's all I have to say about that. Chapter 2. Why on earth would I want a breast reduction? I've always been the friend with the big boobs who was told I was lucky. If I tried to whine about not being able to find a bra that fits, or if I was sore from my heavy bra straps, I'd be told, at least you have boobs. Out of the handful of people I initially told about wanting a breast reduction, only two of those people reacted with excitement. The others were surprised. They eventually came around when I got to my list of reasons, but it shows you how little I ever spoke about wanting to change the size of my chest. Complaining to other women about having big boobs is like a thin woman complaining to her girlfriends about not being able to gain weight. They don't want to hear about it because most of them wish they had your problem. I'm currently a curvy woman who wears a clothing size 8. My bra size is 32G, and my surgery scheduled for November 21st. Today marks exactly three weeks until the big day, and I'm more excited than nervous. You see, large breasts have always been wasted on me. I don't like the attention from men who stare down at my shirt instead of my eyes, and I don't dress to draw attention to them. If I have cleavage, it's accidental, or because I'm currently bending over to pick up some food that fell on the floor. I believe I have a rather sizable repertoire of other great qualities that have nothing to do with how I look. That's what I would love for people to notice first. Unfortunately, no matter how little attention I try to draw to my chest, they jiggle when I walk. They enter a room before I do. They require their own reservation at a fancy restaurant. Okay, not that last part. I want to explain how it feels to have size 32G breasts, if you've never experienced it firsthand. 
First, finding a bra that fits properly and provides enough support is tough and expensive. I started my journey into buying bras that actually touch my ribcage about five years ago. It's a huge revelation the first time you learn that it's not okay to have the band of your bra riding 12 inches up your back. Then it's a huge letdown when you find out your real bra size is a letter that's too far down the alphabet for Victoria's Secret to even know about it yet. I started buying bras online. I was a 32 double F then. Oh, happy day. All my choices were great big black or beige bras that started at $65 each plus international shipping. They even adorned them with little stupid bows so I wouldn't notice how ugly they were. It took way too long for me to switch from online bra fitting to in-person bra fitting, and I was only slightly excited when a specialty bra store opened at the mall nearby. Now I could shop for huge ugly bras in person! with the sales girl barging into the fitting room every five minutes to see how everything was going. Can I complain about shoulder grooves for a second? It annoys me when people say shoulder grooves are caused by ill-fitting bras, because it's just not true. My shoulder grooves were caused by over a decade of carrying several pounds of flesh and fat from my shoulders using only two one-inch straps. I remember the day a massage therapist pointed them out to me during an appointment, as if I hadn't noticed the dent in each of my shoulders before. Today those grooves are contributing to tingling in my arms, occasional numbness in my fingers, and sharp nerve pain in my elbow. But at least I had big boobs, right? I will quickly add that I also have constant neck and shoulder pain, and every hour I have to adjust my bra to give the current body dents a break. I can't go braless at home pretty much at any time except for when I'm sleeping because I don't want to scare the children. It's important to note that it's never been as easy as just losing weight and having a smaller chest. When I lost 26 pounds and 22 inches two years ago, my band size went down but my cup size stayed the same. It's a miracle I was even able to stand up straight without repeatedly falling over. Which leads me to a recent conversation I had with two guys that I know. In it, I gave an accurate lesson about the difference between real and fake breasts. It went something like this. You can't have real huge perky breasts. That's not a thing. You can have fake huge perky breasts or real huge saggy breasts. Women who wish their boobs were bigger think adding volume will make them amazing, but it's only going to make them heavier. See, real boobs don't grow out and up in an adorable manner. The real ones grow down, and then they fall into the center to form one big uniboob. So, in conclusion, I'm getting a breast reduction because my oversized breasticles are causing me pain and discomfort, and possibly nerve damage, and eventually financial ruin. I know it could be worse, and a lot of women wish they could have what I have, but I'm not doing this for them. I'm doing this for me. I've made a lot of comments about how I look in this post, but it's not just about that. It's about lifting this weight off my back, my shoulders, my neck. I'm not going to keep something that causes me pain because strangers like to gawk at them. Chapter 3. Weird Things People Have Said 
you have to know that people have opinions about a big busted woman wanting to get a breast reduction, right? Want to know why most of those women don't talk about their reduction with others? Here's a thankfully short list of inappropriate things other people have said to me so far. I'm looking at you right now and you don't look that big to me. Why on earth would you want a reduction? If I had breasts as big as yours, I'd be showing them off to everyone. A lot of women would love to have what you don't want. Chapter 4. Meeting my plastic surgeon. Besides the awkward photo shoot, my appointment with the surgeon went well. A text to my brother-in-law. For those of you who are wondering what a breast reduction consultation is like, here's some news. It's weird, but necessary. I've only had women doctors my entire life, so the thought of going topless in front of a man I've never met was a little frightening. I had to remind myself several times that it was only going to be weird for me. Dr. Carter's a professional who sees breasts every day. It's his job. I use humor to mask my insecurities, if you didn't know that about me yet. So I spent the whole 40-minute consultation making jokes about pretty much everything. Dr. Carter was serious and professional and a gentleman. He asked me questions, and I told him no lies, and then he told me what was coming next. He was going to leave the room. I was to remove my shirt and my bra, cover myself up with a paper sheet. He would knock on the door and then enter when I was ready. I would look out the window and pretend everything was normal while he took some measurements, and then his assistant, a woman, whew, recorded the numbers. The photo shoot would happen after that, which also sounded really fun. Dr. Carter asked things like my current bra size, my weight and height, questions about my current and past health issues, if I was a smoker, and when I answered no, he said good, family history of breast cancer, and what bra size I would like to be after surgery. I told him a C to D cup. He said it was doable. He told me I was an excellent candidate for a reduction, and he'd be removing about 500 grams from each side. I made more jokes, and Dr. Carter politely smiled at most of them. I told him I watched a breast reduction surgery on YouTube without feigning or puking, and then I left his office feeling pretty good about everything. The next step was to wait for OHIP to come back with my approval, so I started the process of wishing everything would happen yesterday. Chapter 5. Surgery Day It felt like a day I would be talking about for months and never actually see. Then, just like that, November 21st came and went. I woke up around 7.30 a.m., had my antibacterial shower, and put on my surgery day clothes, which was a zip-up hoodie and some leggings. I dried my hair, and then I sat around till about 9.40. We had a knock on the door before we left, and it was a flower delivery from my in-laws, which was a very sweet surprise. I put the flowers on my bedside table. Jake and I drove over to the hospital, parked, and went in. 20 seconds later, they called my name, and it was showtime. I was surprisingly calm all day for someone who was about to have her body cut open. I had no anxiety, no butterflies, nothing. 
I was joking with the nurses and laughing out loud like I was just hanging out with friends. I kept telling myself positive things like, this will be over soon and you'll be so happy. I had a little curtain room where I changed into my gown and I had my cozy bed where they kept bringing me warm blankets. Note to self, get one of those blanket warmers for home. My nurse was great, and she laughed at all my jokes, so I was a big fan of hers. She put the IV in the side of my wrist because she couldn't find a good vein in my hand. Note to self, get a good hand vein. And then Jake was brought into the room to keep me company for two hours. We watched funny YouTube videos, and we chatted, and about an hour before go time, my surgical team started pouring in one by one. First was David. He introduced himself, said he would be assisting Dr. Carter, and Jake and I introduced ourselves. I then pointed to my chest and said, and these are the sisters whom you'll meet later. He laughed, thankfully. The next person to meet was one of the anesthesiologists. I had two, lucky me. And we talked about my eyelash extensions. I had forgotten to mention it earlier, and no one had asked. He assured me he'd take good care when taping my eyelids shut, because eyes apparently don't close on their own during anesthesia and they can get damaged during surgery. And I made sure he knew how important it was that I woke up after surgery looking cute. And what other reason does a girl get eyelash extensions if she can't wake up from a medically induced coma looking ready to party? Dr. Carter came in last, about 10 minutes before noon. He gave Jake the very important job of guarding the closed curtain while he got out his black marker. I had heard about this part, and it was just as weird as I had expected. He used a sharpie to draw marks and dots and lines from my throat down to under each breast. He drew circles where the nipples were going to be situated, shapes where the skin would be removed, and lines under each side where the incisions would go. He gave a satisfied nod and a smile, and when he was done, he said, Okay, I'll see you in there. A very chatty nurse came to take me away, and I kissed Jake goodbye. Not goodbye, really, more like, catch you on the flip side, dude. She wheeled me into the operating room where all my friends were. David, who laughed at my jokes. The guy who's going to help me wake up looking cute. His boss, the second anesthesiologist who had the kindest eyes. And Dr. Carter. And those two sweet nurses. I suggested we all create a team cheer and a secret handshake, but I was unconscious before that ever happened. Recovery. Ugh. I woke up feeling pretty shitty. I felt nauseated. I was dizzy. I was in a good amount of pain. I'm not going to start lying now, so I'm sorry if you were hoping to hear that everything felt like kittens were tickling me with feathers. I was given two Percocets for the pain, and an hour later, I was in another closed curtain room with Jake beside me. My chest was bandaged with many layers of gauze, so I couldn't really see anything. I stayed in bed for a while because I didn't want to ride home in the car feeling terrible, so once the nausea was gone another hour later, we left for home. The first thing Jake did when we got home was bring me a pint of my favorite ice cream, which is Kawartha Dairy chocolate peanut butter, and a spoon. Because my man knows how to treat a lady. It was delicious, and it also helped my sore throat. Saved the lashes, chopped up throat. Can't win them all. 
I also had some soup, which helped with the lingering nausea. I didn't really feel like eating, but I didn't want to be all drugged up with nothing in my belly. A word on pain. Yes, it hurt a great deal, but that has to be expected. My body was cut open and tissue and fat was ripped out. I can handle it, and I know it's temporary. I'm just so relieved that I'm not bedridden. I'm up, I'm walking around, I'm able to do most things for myself. I signed up for this, so I'm not complaining, I'm just saying. Don't expect to feel ready for a tug-of-war tournament right out of surgery. I have a sore on the right side of my tongue that hurts like a son of a bitch whenever I eat or drink anything tart. I made a fruit smoothie this morning and it was not fun. Felt like I bit it and it looks raw, but it, it must be breathing tube related. I'll get over it eventually. I was told that tomorrow I can shower. This surprised me. I was expecting to live on dry shampoo and baby wipes until my post-op appointment in a couple days. Tomorrow I can remove all the outer bandages and the gauze and keep the tape on my incisions while I shower. I'm looking forward to washing off the artwork since I still have sharpie marks all over me. My favorite surgery day story is when I told Jake and the nurses that Dr. Carter saw me in recovery and told me everything went well. And then I found out that that actually didn't happen. I was obviously heavily medicated and just waking up from anesthesia. Chapter 6. Four weeks post-op and still not ready for a trampoline contest. What did new boobs look like at four weeks post-op, you ask? Well, I can only speak for the set I currently own, but I can tell you, they're pretty cute. The first week, my breasts looked like torpedoes. They stuck straight out, and they're kind of fake looking. They were still cool, but they didn't look real. I loved them from day two when that big reveal happened, but at four weeks, they're even better. They've fallen a little, and they aren't as swollen, and they actually look real. Every time I'm by myself and in front of a mirror, I check them out. I'm still in shock that they're mine. I think I'm about a 32D right now, and still a bit swollen. They look proportionate to my body, and although they're a bit bigger than I expected, I love them. My favorite part so far is my new bra collection. I went from owning two bras that I hated and wore on rotation while the other was in the laundry, to owning eight comfortable bras. And it doesn't stop there. I'm obsessed with bra shopping. I love the thrill of holding up a bra that looks too small and then finding that it fits comfortably. I don't know if that feeling will ever get old. It's wonderful to go all day without adjusting an underwire or hiking up my bra straps or shoving my boobs back in my bra. My nerve pain has subsided too, and I haven't given myself a neck or shoulder rub in weeks. Pain-wise, I'm still taking extra strength Advil daily. I'm sore pretty much all the time except when I'm sleeping. I, I wouldn't say I'm in pain, but I, it's uncomfortable. Several times a day I get these sudden sharp pains. The breast reduction community calls them zingers. I guess it's the nerves doing their thing and reconnecting, and they only last a few seconds each, but they make me grab my boob while making an ouch, son of a bitch, does that hurt face. My next and possibly final post-op appointment is on January 8th, and I hope to get the okay to exercise then. 
I'd love to be back at the gym in time to join all the January New Year's resolution people. I also kind of want to jog on the treadmill for the first time in my life without needing to wear two bras. <laughs> that would truly be a Christmas miracle. Well, I'm still on the road to recovery today with no regrets. Thank you for listening. Sleep well, stay cozy, and Merry Christmas. And to my mom, who listens to my podcast every night as she falls asleep. Good night, Mama. <laughs>